It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes in multiple ways. You can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. Can't get to a phone, not a problem. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So Friday was an appetizer because we have another trifecta of a meal (laughs) coming your way today in terms of breaking down three more schools with several different prospects to keep close tabs on as we inch closer to the NFL draft, which, believe it or not, Paul, is going to be later this month. Time flies when you're having fun, as well as the offseason. And first on tap today is Wake Forest. And to break down the Demon Deacons, we are joined by Larry Sorensen, who serves as a Wake Forest radio network analyst for both baseball and football. He actually pitched in the majors from 1977 to 88. Who knows? Maybe we'll break down the Yankees and the Mets as opening day was a few <laughs> days ago as well. Larry, you got Lance Middle, Paul Dettino here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, Giants.com. Greatly appreciate the time. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Everything is terrific. And uh, yeah, glad to talk baseball anytime, but football too because it's been an exciting time around Wake Forest University and looking forward to the draft to see exactly how it turns out. Absolutely and your school has a number of intriguing prospects and some positions that maybe the Giants could target specifically wide receiver and let's start there because A.T. Perry is considered one of the best guys to come out of this year's class. Larry you look at his size the intangibles he seems to be the prototypical measurables for an ex-wide receiver How valuable do you think that holds true in terms of how Wake Forest utilized him and how that could translate to the NFL? Well, I think that one of the things Wake Forest did was they used him as a decoy quite a bit as well. So he maybe didn't get as many targets as a lot of people thought that he would. But he's a big guy, as you said, 6'5", but an interesting word came up with him at Pro Day last week, the bend that he has. And he said he thinks of playing small, even though he's 6'5", and weighs 205 pounds. Uh, A guy that's a touchdown magnet, the the closer he gets to the end zone, the better he likes to catch the ball. Let me ask you, Larry, about his hands, though, because there have been some instances of dropsies, and and I I guess there's some questions there about his ball skills, and, and also blocking, because he's a bit slight for his stature, And in the NFL, a lot of coaches are going to ask you to be blocking off the edge so you can make some big-time plays in the run game. How anxious or how eager is he to help in that facet? Oh, we saw him downfield quite a bit, still still mixing up with guys. I wouldn't say that you see a lot of pancakes from him, but he's willing to engage and to try to uh, distract and to let runners get past him. The other thing that he does really well is catching the ball in stride and running from there, he's a long strider. Mm-hmm. So he's got very good open field abilities. Uh, as far as the hands go, he, he's got strong hands when he's uh, in a competition for the ball. You know, when it's a, a toss-up and a fight for the ball, which Sam Hartman did quite a bit because the receiving core has been so skilled the last few years. 
with respect to his size that you brought up, when you think about a tall wide receiver, Larry, I think the first thing that comes to mind is, okay, hey, here's a guy you could throw the ball up to, and whether he's double-covered or not, he's going to make plays. The Giants went through that with a guy by the name of Kenny Galladay, and you could argue they're maybe still searching for somebody like that. How much did you see Wake Forest run its offense where they said, hey, at 6'5", we're going to toss it up to him. We're going to see if this guy can make a play. How much was that part of his M.O.? They used it not so much near the end zone. They used it a little bit more on first, on third, third and long situations. But he's capable of that. He's got about a 35-inch vertical. Mm-hmm. He was an 11-foot broad jump guy. The biggest thing that was surprising about him was the speed at the combine. Uh, yeah. They called Kevin Scouts called Kevin Higgins, the receiver coach, and said, "What do you think he's going to run?" And Higgins said, "Who was a quarterback coach in the NFL?" Said, "I, I would say about four-five-two." And the scout said, "If he does that." Everybody's interested, and he turned out a four four seven at the combine. <laughs> so that really, really opened up everybody's eyes. Play in and play out, Larry. How did defenses try to contain him? Did he see enough of press coverage that you could get a flavor for how he would deal with that in the pros? He did. He didn't mind mixing hand-to-hand combat at the line. And I think that that will be a strength for him later on. I think he's a little bit more – he did an interview with us at Pro Day that we uh, covered for the ACC Network, and he, and he looks a little bit bigger than the 205. Said that he went home and he worked out and he gained some good weight, uh, was very strong in a great mood, gave good interviews. He was pleased with the way that all went at the Combine and really, I think, jumped himself up a little bit. Larry, speaking of projections, I mean, clearly there's a number of wide receivers that come to mind. What are you hearing in the wake of his workouts about where you think he may land? I've seen projections going perhaps to the second round. Do you think he'll creep up even sooner? How do you think that'll play out? You know, originally it started out he was in 70s, high 70s, low 80s, and uh, that was going into the combine. Mm-hmm. And I think that now with the, with the speed that he showed at the combine, plus he had very good practices. At the East-West Shrine game, they got great reports on him out of there. Uh, so he really has built his stock going into the pro draft. I, I would think late second round. One of the positions that's very strong in this draft, Larry, and maybe on a different year, Blake Whitehart, uh, the tight end from Wake Forest, might get a little bit more ink. Right now, with such a great tight end class, uh, I'm, I'm sure he's probably not anything more than a late day three pick. Uh, but what can you tell us about him that will be intriguing to the NFL teams? Well, I think somebody would be getting a great late-day pick, a captain at Wake Forest. So, you, all, you know, the character always counts for something. A guy that came in behind Cam Serenay and probably became, Dave Clawson says, the greatest tight end in Wake Forest history because he turned himself into a great blocker. Got good hands, but with the wide receiving core that Wake had, he, he wasn't used in that many pass-catching situations. Generally, more of as a surprise touchdown type catcher. And I think that his speed will uh, surprise people a little bit. He was about a 4-7 guy, but an outstanding blocker uh, on the line and can't catch the ball. He's got very good hands. Larry, I want to flip the script to the defensive side of the ball because outside of A.T. Perry, I think one other guy that to me is intriguing and I caught a number of his games during the course of this past season is Kobe Turner on the defensive line, transfer from Richmond. He seems to be a bit of a technician and somebody that could play inside and outside and could really help collapse the pocket. Where do you see his fit on the NFL level? That's a great call. Uh, Truthfully, I see him more on the inside because uh, he's a little bit on the shorter side, but he's got a big motor and he's got a huge heart. When you come in as a transfer, 
and your team immediately elects you as a captain, you know that you're doing something that's right sure, yeah. in the uh, in the room as well, and you're doing good things there. And I think that he started to realize he did have the NFL potential when he started playing in the ACC. And his last half dozen games or so, he was just outstanding. A guy that uh, that has, like I said, has a good motor, is able to slide some blocks on the inside to uh, get into the backfield, and had a had a terrific year for Wake Forest. And that's not always easy to do coming over as the transfer. Larry, I'm going to ask you one baseball question before we let you go. <laughs> of all these rules changes this year, which one do you think is going to have the biggest impact? I'm, I'm sorry, I missed the first part of that. Uh, of all the rules changes in Major League Baseball this year, you know, we got the Yanks and Mets here, both teams who were playoff teams last year. Which of the rules changes you think is going to have the most impact? I think the disengagement. You know, holding, limiting people to the amount of times that they can step off, mm-hmm. to me, is going to create a real chess match. And I think that the runners win in that case is going to lead to more uh, stolen bases. I think the time clock everybody will adjust to. Most of the minor leaguers have used it already. They, in spring training, they made the adjustment pretty easily. I think it's the amount of times that you can step off. Cool. I don't know. Should we throw in another question about instant replay in the NFL <laughs> and what he thinks about that, too? I don't know if we've covered every angle with respect to this conversation yet. Wake Forest, baseball rules, you name it. Larry is a renaissance man. It gives us a little bit of everything. But in all seriousness, it's Larry Sorensen, who you can hear on the Wake Forest radio network. He is an analyst for football and baseball. Larry, always good going back and forth with you. Greatly appreciate the insight, and we look forward to talking down the road. Fun stuff, Larry. Thanks. Call anytime. Thank you, guys. You got it. Our pleasure. So that is a glance at the Wake Forest group. We're going to turn our attention momentarily to Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. One of the players that, once again, I brought up with Larry, Kobe Turner, to me, is somebody that if you want to bring in a rotational defensive lineman, I think he has really good value. He's projected to go in the fourth round. You know, if you want to bring in somebody, and, you know, the Giants, remember, they're looking for a guy who can maybe have the versatility, play inside, outside. He's somebody. And then A.T. Perry, based on the receiving core right now, Paul, that the Giants have, he's got the size and the height to differentiate himself from what they already have in-house at this point. He does. I know John has watched tape on him and likes him a lot, likes him more than I do, which is kind of odd because you guys know I like the bigger, taller, lengthy receivers who have speed. I'm a little bit concerned, despite what Larry said, I'm a little bit concerned about the ball skills, and I'm a little bit concerned about him being a little bit too wiry and not being physical enough to deal with a lot of what the Giants may want to do. And I'm not just talking about his ability to fight off press coverage because at this level, it's a lot harder to do than it is at the NCAA level. But again, the Giants, they still want to get that running game going. And Saquon Barkley could use some some blocking downfield. Yeah. I just don't, I don't see Perry as the kind of guy, you know, if he's going up against a, a, a corner who's going to be you know, maybe 10 pounds heavier than he is, or for that matter, a safety who might be coming over because they want to add bracket coverage or somebody over the top, and he's got to try to block that guy to spring Barkley. I just don't necessarily see it there. So I'm not as high on him maybe as, as John is. Well, in 2018, when Barkley was a rookie, big reason why he had such a great year is the blocking by the wide receivers down the field. Sterling Shepard, who yeah. is not a big guy, is feisty enough that he's actually very good at that. Sure. And so you don't necessarily equate size to the ability to do it. A lot of it's heart. I'm not sure that Perry has enough of, of that blocking in him to, uh, to be able to be the kind of guy who, who I would take. But. 
Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Well, speaking of wide receivers, let's turn our attention to the next school on the agenda, and that is Cincinnati, because they have a wide receiver of note, and we bring in Justin Williams, who covers the Bearcats for the Athletic. Justin, you got Lance Meadow, Paul Dottino here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, Giants.com. Greatly appreciate the time today. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Everything's great. I appreciate you guys having me on. Not a problem. Pleasure having you on. And as I mentioned, I want to start with the wide receiver position because Tyler Scott is one of the highest projected players coming out of Cincinnati. And we were just talking about Wake Forest that has A.T. Perry, who's much taller. Scott is on the opposite end of the spectrum, Justin. He's 5'10", a buck 77. It seems as if he was utilized, though, outside the majority of the time when you would think at the NFL level he's more fit to be a slot guy. So how did the dynamics work out that he had success on the outside? And do you think that translates to what he could potentially do on the NFL level? Yeah, you know, Cincinnati used him as the that field wide receiver, which is basically the far side of the of the field based on where you line up on the hash marks. That's where he played, you know, the, his, his sophomore and junior season. So he had one year under Desmond Ritter, who's now at the Falcons, and then played last season with uh, Ben Bryan, a quarterback. And really it was it was his speed that allowed him to have so much success there. And, you yeah. know, that was speed going mm-hmm. over the top, but it was also his speed and agility and his route running and there were so many, you know, big plays that he had where it was really just a, a hitch route or, you know, um, an out, you know, an out kind of bubble screen and his speed allowed him to break some tackles or make some guys miss. And so, yeah, you know, I hear you guys talking about blocking, you know, Tyler, I give him credit. He's a, a willing blocker. He's, he'll definitely go for it. But, you know, I think if you're getting this guy, whether you put him in the slot in the NFL or whether you try and, you know, put him out in space a little bit more, uh, it, it, his speed, you know, both down the field straight line, but also his agility and movement is what is going to make him a really good player at the next level. I think. Yeah, some of those skills lend itself well to uh, yards after the catch, because mm-hmm. he's got he's got some of that instinctive uh, vision and physicality and cutting ability that you need once you get the ball in your hands. And, and I think to to me that's going to be one of the most attractive attributes that he's got besides just the pure speed to get downfield. Yeah, we saw it a lot. You know, he he ran the prettiest post route. I've seen anyone run in college and he, you know, early on in his career, he was just killing some teams on that. Him and Desmond Ritter had a real good connection on that post route. And so then as teams started to get aware of it, you saw them start backing off. And so a lot of times he'd have big plays because he'd have a huge cushion on that field mm-hmm. side of the, of the field. He'd run, you know, he, people would think he'd run in a post. He'd stop and run a quick hitch. They throw an eight yard pass to him. And then he would turn it into a 30, 35 yard gain because he had so much cushion, but then he could make guys miss in space. And so, obviously, it's not going to be that easy at the NFL level, but that was just a good example of he can beat you over the top and deep, but then also he can use that speed to help him underneath a little bit as well. 
Justin, how much is that a product of, because I was reading up on his background, it's interesting, he's a former track star number one, which I guess is not a surprise given his speed, <laughs> but also I believe he played running back before they moved him to wide receiver. Yep. So I guess what I'm getting at is how much do you think the skill set that maybe he gained through track and serving as a running back has really paid off for him well in terms of applying that to the receiving game? Yeah, definitely. I mean, track star, he, he was like a sub, you know, 11-second guy in high school for the 100-meter dash and things like that. Uh, you know, just a really, really strong track runner in high school, won a, a couple state titles and things. Yeah, he also played running back in high school, and I talked to him recently about it. And, I, you know, I'd known I'd covered his whole career. I knew he played running back. But I asked him, how many passes did you catch in high school? And he said maybe 10, like over wow. the entire <laughs> four-year career. Uh, but just the way his body was built, he was much more set up at the college level to be a receiver. And, you know, when he came out, when they got him as a freshman at Cincinnati, the coaches were very much like, hey, let's not talk much about this guy because we think we kind of found one, and let's try and keep it quiet. And they proved to be right because they bring him in. He, he did have pretty good hands. That's definitely you know part of the thing I think he had to work on was the route running and just pass catching that you have to have as a receiver. But all of his skill and talent, once he has the ball, you're totally right. It's like the track star meets a running back. And credit to him for turning himself into a receiver. But you can see why you know he maybe made sense as a high school running back the way he can make guys miss. Strictly looking at the skills, it's obvious why some of the people at the Combine said he could be in that second cluster of wide receivers that goes in the second round, uh, potentially. Maybe, maybe late second round, who knows. But, but tell me, if you can, what the critics will say. Why does he not belong in that next cluster of wide receivers under the elite three who will go in the first round? Yeah, I mean, the first thing you, you can point to is the size. Like, you know, is he a slot receiver? Maybe he doesn't have, like, the same quick which agility that like a Tyreek Hill type has it in the slot, but maybe he's not quite big enough to be that true like outside receiver. So you definitely get some size things. He didn't really have many injury issues uh, in college, but I don't think you would you know focus on that specifically. But I think you want to see, all right, this is a guy who he, he certainly, maybe people would use the competition thing against him because, you know, since now he played in the AAC, but this is also a team that, when he was there, went to the Peach Bowl and played Georgia, went to the Cotton Bowl and played Alabama. And for the first two years of his career, he went against Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant in practice. So I wouldn't be too worried about the level of competition he, he was facing. Is probably better than most, actually. Uh, but I think you're just going to get, hey, is this a guy who came to the receiver position late and is a little bit maybe undersized or a little bit of a tweener in terms of inside-outside? How will that translate to the NFL level? Justin, I want to stay on the offensive side of the ball. They have two tight ends. I know one of them is projected to maybe go later in the draft, and another one may be an undrafted free agent. That's Leonard Taylor. The other one is Josh Weil. Numbers that didn't necessarily jump off the page, but we know Wisconsin is known for developing its good blockers, specifically in the trenches, and somebody that can maybe carve out a role on the NFL level. And I believe Weil also has track background because he was a national high jump champion in high school, so there's athleticism there. What at all upside-wise do you see out of those two guys? Yeah, so, you know, I think they probably were hurt a little bit by playing together because they kind of, you know, they, they were used a lot together with 12 personnel or switching out with 11. Sure. So, you know, if you put their numbers together and look at, like, combined catches and yards, you can separate them. That's why people are like, why wasn't the production there? Part of it was them playing together. Part of it was just the way the offense was set up. 
Tyler Scott, who we talked about, Trey Tucker, they both had really good years as receivers. I think Wiley is, is a really good, like, prototypical NFL tight end. He can split out wide, but he's also pretty big, and he can block. And, you know, he, he played pretty much all of last season at the 250 to 260 range to kind of prove that he could do that. Um, but he's athletic enough that he could be kind of used in that more modern Travis Kelsey-type, you know, role that they want these tight ends to play. The biggest thing with him is just going to be staying healthy. He's a really tough kid that battled through a lot of injuries, but he also had a lot of injuries while he was at Cincinnati. Leonard Taylor, you know, I think he's maybe less of that traditional, like, pass-catching tight end, but he's a big body. He's a willing blocker. He also played great on special teams in terms of, like, pump protection and things like that. So he's definitely more of, like, like you said, later in the draft or potentially even a, you know, undrafted free agent type deal. But I think both those guys are going to be on an NFL roster next season as tight ends and maybe not, you know, star level early in their careers, but I think they can bring a lot of benefits on offense but also on special teams. Another player who's likely to hear his name called during the draft is cornerback Arquan Bush. Has played uh, some nickels and played uh, outside, uh, a versatile guy who certainly, you know, has some skills. And, and I wonder, this corner class is so deep, so deep, that, you know, he might have been better off coming out a different year than this one because he's going to get pushed down quite a bit. I mean, we've had people tell us that there are as many as 20 corners who could go in the first three rounds of this draft and have a make it grade. Where do you see him fitting in? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, and, you know, he's also has an interesting career. He spent most of it in the slot, and that was, again, to go back, they had Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. So he was almost, he's an outside cornerback that was forced to play in the slot because you have two All-Americans playing outside of you. Um, and then, he, you know, he played on the outside this year. He definitely struggled sometimes. He, you know, he had like a toe injury that kind of bothered him. Um, he's not a, a burner-type speed guy, but he ran pretty well. I think he was in the 4-5 at the combine and ran in the four fours at pro day based on a couple of scouts I talked to that was a good sign for him and I think that he will be kind of on the border as far as I'm concerned and does he get drafted does he you know go as an undrafted free agent maybe his pro day time helped push him up a little bit um, but what's gonna you know make him a, a player at the next level or help him stick on a roster is he smart he, he's aggressive like he's not afraid to kind of stick his nose in and tackle uh, and he's another guy who will willingly play special teams so I don't think that's the one you bring in with the assumption that he's going to go out there and have a season that even Kobe Bryant had with the Seahawks last year where he's playing a lot of snaps. But, you know, I think it's, it's either a guy you take a chance on late in the draft or you bring in uh, on a contract and then you see, can he help us on special teams? Uh, is he versatile enough to play some safety? But you're right, in this kind of crowded cornerback field, I, it'll be interesting to see if, if he does enough or, or has enough good tape for people that he works his way up into the sixth, seventh round. Justin, one other player I want to bring up, staying on the defensive side of the ball, is Ivan Pace Jr., the transfer from Miami, Ohio. You look at his sack number is 11 this past season. I mean, it's hard to overlook that. Maybe a guy that has questionable size to really be a big-time pass rusher at the NFL level. A, how did Wisconsin utilize him in the year that they brought him in after his transfer? And where do you see his fit, especially if he may not be able to battle guys in the trenches at just 5'10 on the NFL level? Yeah, look, if you're if you're putting on the, the combine measurements or, or just kind of you know, looking at him in shorts, you're going to be like, no chance is this guy an NFL player. And that's the reason he ended up at, you know, the University of Miami, Ohio, coming out yeah. of high school. He was a two-star recruit. Uh, he, he was definitely a little pudgy, uh, even when he showed up at, at Cincinnati last season. Um, but, man, this is just like a, you know, a motor guy, 
create incredible instincts to go after the ball nonstop. I think if you're looking at the next level again, you always pick like the best example. I'm not saying he's going to be James Harrison, but like he's that type of, you know, if he's going to have an NFL career, it's going to be that type of player. He's undersized, but he can blitz. He's going to get after the quarterback. He's not going to be a, a coverage sideline to sideline type linebacker. It's going to be, you know, an outside guy in a, in a three, four scheme or, you know, a, a down rusher in a four, three type scheme, you know, something a little bit different where he's kind of a specialist at the next level. And there, there are, you know, I talked to the defensive coordinator, Mike Tressel last year, who said the reason he, you know, didn't get recruited out of high school is because coaches are afraid to take a chance on that guy and look stupid because he is undersized. He doesn't have the right. measurable. Sure. It's going to be the same thing at the NFL. Teams are going to be afraid that, hey, if we take a fourth or fifth round draft pick on this guy and he flames out, we're going to look stupid. But there's also the chance that someone takes a chance on him the way Cincinnati did, and he plays in an All-American type level the way he did you know, this, this past year in college, or he turns himself into a really productive NFL player. So I'm kind of interested to see how high he goes, because if you just put on the tape and watch him play, it doesn't matter who they were against, what level it was at, the guy finds the football, the guy makes plays, and I think on some level that will translate to the NFL, even though he has all the size measurables working against Final one for me real quick, and I want to go right back to him because when you see the motor, you see the instincts, you see the toughness, you see the physicality, you see all of those things, what do they scream? Special teams. Yeah. How much special teams, if any, did he play in college? Because to me – that's that's his surefire fit in the NFL, even if he's taken very late or makes it as a priority free agent. Some special teams coach is going to give him a big hug and say, I love you the minute he walks onto the field. <laughs> yeah, I don't, he didn't play a ton of special teams, but part of that was at Miami he was more of kind of like a defensive lineman type or just you know specifically a rush linebacker. At Cincinnati he trimmed down a little bit, he got into better shape, and but he was also you know an All-American linebacker, so they weren't necessarily – uh, you know, quick to throw him out there on yeah, right. coverage. But I think you're totally right. The things that he did at Cincinnati in terms of getting after the quarterback and all that, that, that would translate, I agree, whether it's kickoff or punt coverage, all that kind of stuff. I think that's something that he would certainly be willing to do uh, at the NFL level and, and something that uh, I think teams will ask him to do, and, and they'll definitely get a lot of benefit from that. So there you go. Could be a bit of a gem in the draft. A team that's willing to take a risk on him, as Justin mentioned, maybe all of a sudden you reap the rewards given his attractive skill set. He is Justin Williams, who covers the Bearcats for the Athletic out of Cincinnati. Justin, greatly appreciate the time and the insight and look forward to speaking down the road. Thanks for coming on the program. Thank you. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks. Absolutely. So Justin Williams laying out what to expect from this Cincinnati class. Remember, Cincinnati class the previous year. I mean, what Luke Fickle was able to get <laughs> out of that group. It's no surprise he wound up going to Wisconsin as a result of that. But they produced some quality talent across the board. And the one element as theme that jumps out here is there's speedsters, there's athleticism coming out of this roster, Paul. But I think Justin brought up a good point. If you have the patience to say, okay, we'll take a flyer on a guy and you go through good coaching – I mean, you really could get something out of some of these players here. Well, we also talked about a couple of players who may not have all of the measurables and the physical toolbox that people are going to be attracted to, but they're football players. You see? Let, let's put that in quotes. They're football players, and they get things done. And there's always going to be a soft spot in some coaches' hearts for guys who just go out there and, and with the intangibles, they make things happen. Now, not every team has the luxury 
of keeping a guy like that on their roster. So it's going to have to be the right fit. A guy like, like him may actually be better off being a priority free agent so that he can pick his spot as to where he goes and then have a, have a chance to make a team as opposed to being drafted by someplace where somebody in the draft room said, I want this guy, they take him, and now all of a sudden, you know, he doesn't his, his intangibles don't get appreciated as much. Well, you actually bring up an interesting point, and this was going to be one of the follow-up questions, but I know we were pretty tight and up against the clock here. When you take a guy like Ivan Pace, for example, and you were talking about maybe the attractiveness of special teams, and do you say to yourself, is it really having a set game plan of how you're going to utilize that player as opposed to just taking a flyer on him, right? How many times have we seen it's all about the scheme and the system and how you tap into that as opposed to not having any game plan at all when it comes to some of these players? Look, I'll give you a good example. Many years ago, and I'm going back again, I'm turning back the clock. I know you young folks, you know, you don't want to listen to this sometimes. But Gary Reasons, who played for the Bill Parcells Giants and, and you know, and helped them win a championship. When Gary came into the NFL, there were a whole bunch of people in the Giants scouting department that said his measurables don't add up. He's, he's too slow. He simply does not have the length and the speed to necessarily be an NFL player. And then there was one scout who insisted he does nothing but make plays. He's got a nose for the ball. He hits like a truck. He is incredibly smart and anticipates and knows where he's got to be before he's got to be there. You'll see. You're going to just give the take this guy. Yeah. You'll see when you put him in a lineup, you're not going to want to take him out. And Gary Reasons gave the Giants several really good seasons, some as a starter, some as a rotational player, and he was part of a Super Bowl team. So there's a great example of what we're talking about. You know, of course, once Parcells saw him hit people on the field, oh, yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. Correct. And you're up close <laughs> and personal it. with that player. Sure. And, and that's the kind of guy you're talking about. You know, Reasons was a fifth-round draft choice. Well, that's why it does pay to take some chances in flyers. Now, sometimes when you construct your roster, you don't have the luxury to do that because of where you are as an organization. Do the Giants say to themselves, based on how well they got production out of last year's rookie class, some of the street-free agents that they brought in, are they at the position? And given the volume of picks, Paul, where once you get to the fifth or the sixth round, I would say I do think the Giants have some flexibility where if they wanted to take a chance on somebody where the measurables don't jump off the page, but you can maybe fit them into special teams, they could be a rotational defensive player, I don't see why they wouldn't at least be able to pull the trigger on that. They're in a much better spot to do that now than they were last year. 100%. Because yeah. now they're coming off a playoff season, they're young, they're improving, the arrow is up. A team that, that is already at that level can maybe take a shot and find a space, a place on the roster for a guy like that. When you were where the Giants were last year, in, in the beginning of a, of a total retooling, you have absolutely no room to be taking a player like that. And also the fact that here's another reason why I'd be willing to go there. Special teams is something we talked about all last season, right? And how Thomas McGahee, he, he had been on the record multiple times. You know, he loves to use the gumbo analogy, which I love, where every single week, right, <laughs> he's mixing things together because he doesn't know who's going to be at his disposal. If 
you could add some athleticism on the back end of the draft that could help you in that area, okay, maybe they don't have an impact on offense or defense immediately because there's a number of other players ahead of them on the depth chart. But there's value in bringing in somebody year one if he's committed and determined because to me, playing special teams is the equivalent of playing basketball defense, right? You could teach a player all the fundamental skills. If they don't have the desire to do it, they're not going to meet you halfway. You have to have a player that's willing to play special teams. So if you could take somebody in the sixth round, maybe even in the fifth round, that has that desire and can apply that athleticism, then I think there's room and there's value for a team that is still trying to tweak its special teams and look for that consistent core that Thomas McGee can rely on week in and week out. Well, just remember, smart, tough, and dependable, okay? Nowhere in those three words does it say athletic. Smart, tough, and dependable. Well, but the athleticism helps, though. It helps. With the smart, tough, and It helps, yeah. but I think Brian Dable is telling you, and so is Joe Shane. They're on the same page. They will value those intangibles a little bit higher than maybe some other guy who just wants to see somebody who start at the Combine in the Underwear Olympics. Sure. No, and I completely understand that. But, I mean, once again, I'm using an example of a player that we just talked about, Ivan Pace, just because, once again, he was a topic of discussion. That, to me, is somebody that I think fits the tough and dependable and smart aspect because mm -hmm. of his level of production on the defensive That's side of the ball. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, no, I think it's extremely fitting. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't think you'd be questioning somebody like that under the umbrella. It's more of you just need to be willing to say, maybe we start him out on special teams, and then year two we bring him along more so never know. on the defensive side of the ball. Got to make Something the roster to, first. Correct, absolutely. <laughs> but, hey, there's room for guys to make the roster if they can – contribute on special teams. I think that's been well documented and regardless of the organization that you're playing for, that's a big priority. Case in point, look at the Super Bowl. Last I checked, Kansas City changed field position in a huge special teams return. Without a doubt. And Philadelphia was good in that spot. Without a doubt. It broke down when they could least afford that to happen. All right, let's open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. But before we do that, just a few reminders in terms of what the Giants have to offer here on their plate. Giants Huddle Podcast, you could subscribe to that. Listen on the Giants app as well as Giants.com slash podcast. Giants fans, take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. And... The Giants official connected TV streaming app. It's Giants TV. It brings you original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the lines. We check in with Joe in Ontario, joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Joe? What do you got for us? Hey, how you doing, Lance? Doing very well. How's everything on your end? Uh, things are fantastic. So, um, yeah, my name's Joe from London, Ontario, Canada. I um, big Giants fan. Um, in London, Ontario, do you guys know where that is? I can't say I know Canada backwards and forwards. So, <laughs> so if you want to give us a landmark, we can maybe pinpoint <laughs> it. Yes. All right. Well, we're we're halfway between Detroit and Toronto. Okay. okay. There we go. Now so we, we have, have something. We have a lot of Buffalo with. Bills fans here. We have a lot of Lions fans here. But guess what? The number one fan base team is here and, and London has a huge NFL following. So guess what the number one fan base is here? 
Well, I mean, you said you were in proximity of Detroit, but I don't know that there are that many Lions fans out there. Well, he, I am assuming, is not referring to the Lions or the Bills. Is that fair? It's a team outside of those two. Correct. That's correct, yeah. That's what I figured that he was heading at. Well, I mean, I'll take a flyer, but once again, it depends on the generation. I don't know, the Patriots, with how many Super Bowls they won, that people started rooting for the team as they were growing up? Yeah, I'll I'll fast-forward this here. It's painful, but it's the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, well, that's also understandable because yeah. of the popularity of the franchise. So, yeah, like they've won yeah. a lot of playoff games in the last hundred years. Well, but the whole America's team. I mean, I don't think I that's it. necessarily a I surprise. I get it. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I, 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 I love them. They're my friends and, and whatnot. But <laughs> I'll say Dallas Cowboy fans in Dallas are way cooler than Dallas Cowboys in London, Ontario. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, what do you but, got for uh, us today? What, so who um, – do you guys know who the first born Canadian – uh, coaches for the NFL in the NFL in the Super Bowl area. What are we playing Jeopardy on today's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, Joe? I mean, you well, can... it's Brian DeBall. Oh. Brian, Brian DeBall is the first Canadian, like Canadian-born NFL coach in, in the in NFL in the Super Bowl era. Is he really? Interesting. Did you guys know that? No, I and, can't and, say and, I did. And, and you know, I I know that there have been a number of former CFL coaches who have coached in the NFL. In fact, Bud Grant is probably the most well-known. But I did not know that uh, Dable is the first Canadian born. I did not know that. I knew he was born in Canada. I yeah. just didn't know well, he was because the first. he was raised in Buffalo, essentially, upstate New York. So I, that's why people don't associate him with Canada. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So he, he was born in Wellington, Ontario, which sure. is about an hour and a half from, from London. But uh, the, the very first player coach was in, like, 1920. Um, it was a fellow named Tommy Hewitt. He's from out in B.C. But he actually was a player coach for... The Buffalo Bisons, which is ironic as that. But uh, anyhow, um, we're all any Giants fans around here. There's there's a good ball around here. We, we all love Brian DeBolt, and there's just something about Joe Shane when he's being peppered by questions. And I know how the New York media is. They, you know, they like to get on a guy here and there and, and whatnot. And you know, mo- most of the time they're they're trying to get at, at things and whatnot. But that guy handles things with such class, and, and the way he breaks open a smile. And, and, and I don't know. There's just something about that guy. I really like the way he carries himself. We, we all love him. And um, I, I just – nobody's perfect. He's not going to pick everybody in the draft that you guys all want and whatnot. I'm not even going to get into the whole draft thing. Who knows who we're going to pick. I, I want a corner, but we'll, we'll see how that rocks and rolls. Is Jalen Smith still on the Giants currently? No, he's a free no, agent. Yeah, free agent. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it really hurt – hurt me losing Julian Love. Anytime you lose Love, that that's tough. But and I, I, I met that fella, su- such a plate, smart young man, and honestly, uh, that, that one that one hurt. But, Paul Tino, I'm going to tell you something. I saw you when we were in Minnesota in, in the playoff game. I saw you do the uh, your, your happy dance there right where we were nearing the end. You, you came walking by us doing your little Zoolander happy dance, and you had me <laughs> laughing so hard. I... I, I I'm telling you, it was a great time. But I love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Go Giants. Hi, right, Joe. Uh, looking forward to the Appreciate the phone call. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected 
or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. I was going to ask if Joe works for the Canadian Tourism Office because it seems like he was giving... (laughs) Every reason and rationale to visit Canada. I think he's related to the prime minister. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, or the prime minister was handing him papers as he was joining us here on BBKL. I mean, we got an entire lesson of intel. I expected a New York Rangers question. I was waiting for, I don't know what we were going to get at this point. As a dual citizen, I appreciate the uh, phone call. From okay, him. we'll see. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, see, is... that's how he got through. No wonder. <laughs> he smoked Pearson. At there the you go. The yeah, show. It made no difference what Joe wanted to talk about. <laughs> I, hey, cut I, to the chase. I also talk think Brian Dable was born in a hospital in Canada, but then grew up in Buffalo. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I don't remember him discussing at all, him actually spending a number of years yeah. in Canada. So... That's really specific I did know he was data. born in Canada, though. I did know well, that. You I just didn't think he, I didn't day. know he was the first, though. That's, that's the trivia part. Yeah, that, I mean, you would think, right, know. there'd be maybe some carryover with the CFL and so forth, but there you go. See, maybe the media should be listening to this program. That should be the first question when the team returns for spring workouts. <laughs> was he aware that he's the first Canadian-born coach? There you go. All right, let's move along here on BBKL. Wilson is in Roxbury joining us right here on Giants.com. What's happening, Wilson? What do you got for us? Hello? Yes, Hello. Wilson. Sounds like you had a party in the background. Are we interrupting? No, no, no. <laughs> you sure? That call you just got got me all out of whack, man. I had to, like, <laughs> well, Wilson, that's why it's an appropriate follow-up for you to be the next caller because you get us out of whack. So Indeed. everything I, 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 falls I, I, into I, I, line. I, 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 well, that's what I'm saying. So I had to, like, you know, had to, like, reset myself because that was, I, I don't know. What well, the- and that's why we're going to be drinking after your phone call. And I'm now, getting now he's really going to go yeah, off the rails. Exactly. Go ahead, Wilson. Right. What do you got for us? All right. Hey, listen. The first thing, Paulie, yes. that little square is making you a disjustice because I can't see your hands moving, and I love that. So I don't know. You know okay, Raise your hands, gonna- Raise your He still has his hands attached. We're, we're happy They're to still report. here. They're there still go. here. He's got five fingers on each hand. He's wearing a watch. You'd be very pleased to know this, Wilson. Would you like me to provide the play-by-play of anything else? For, for what yeah. it's worth, you're, you're absolutely right. Everybody who knows Italians know that we talk with our hands. And if we're not moving our hands, we're, we're just not ourselves. Something's wrong. So I'm with you. I actually, I agree with you. I think this square is just a terrible idea, but well, that's what they want. Well, see, Wilson, we got feedback from some of our viewers that Paul's hands were very distracting. So the technological people tried exactly. to box him in a little. That's what happened. I can't be boxed in. Well, that's impossible. They can only hope to contain you, essentially, is what you're saying. Yes. Let, let, let me tell you something. Hey, Lance, man, my dad is Italian. You know, he's can't. His hands got tired after he talked for 20 minutes. So, <laughs> Understandable. I yes. never Galactic get tired. Lactic acid built up. Yes. <laughs> never, yeah. never, no. never. Well, Go ahead, Wilson. To the role. Yes. What do you got for us? And, uh, all right. So, so, so listen. On, on, on the, I have something on the Giants draft and on the, the, you know, on the number one, on the number one overall pick overall. On the Giants, is there a, a, a big, you know, difference between like the 25th pick and the 45th pick? Is there like a massive difference? 
according to most people, there's not. Once once you get into the lower third of the first round, and then maybe the first half of the second round, maybe two thirds. There's a lot of folks who believe that you're talking very similar value. I also okay, think so it depends on the position, though, in fairness. No doubt. Right? Because if no you're a doubt. team and on your board, sure. you have a significant drop-off at one position, but the other position is a little bit closer, in your eyes at least, there may not be right. that much we, of the we're same We're talking value. in right. generality yeah. here. Sure. Yeah. No, no, the reason why I said that is this. Because uh, like, you like in the, like Giants are like in the like no-man's land, right? So either, either if you don't like somebody, then maybe get like a, another second-round pick and go back. And if you like somebody, then give up a second round pick. You, you, because you like, you, you have to make a decision. You know what I'm saying? You like in the middle there. Well, are, are you, you suggesting they move from 25 because their second pick is going to be 57? Well, no, no, right. Well, what I'm saying, Paulie, is this. It, it, let's say you don't like anybody at 25. Okay. Let's say, for example. Right? Okay. You, they might as well go back. Maybe I don't know, and get get and go get like another sec, a closer to the first round, second round picks, and get an extra second round pick because, and if you like somebody really good, then go go down, you know, give okay, give okay. you a second round pick. Let the me go problem is with the climate of this draft and the generality that we discussed, you're not going to find many teams that are going to want to make that deal to move oh. with you. That's the oh. issue. Now, is it possible that maybe Anthony Richardson is still on the board there? I don't know that he will be because someone's going to overdraft him. But if he is, or maybe a hooker, you know, one of these quarterbacks who should not go that high is sitting there and a team is willing to develop him and wants that fifth-year option, there's always the chance that they will want to come up. But short of that... I honestly okay. don't believe there's going to be any takers that will want to move up into your 25th spot. Well, I mean, to give you an example, the Jets moved up last year to come back in the first round to get Jermaine Johnson. They did. Coincidentally, he right. was the 26th overall pick. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I think to your point, and I think this goes back to what you're saying, Wilson, you have to ask yourself, are you gaining a lot in return by moving backwards? Meaning, if you're not getting that, a lot in return... That's what you have to ask yourself because I'm yes. sure when the Giants get ready, assuming they stick at 25, there's going to be somebody on their board that they like. That I they think feel so too. Is going to come right. in and contribute. It's, it's not hard. as if you're dealing with nothing. It's yeah. hard to imagine that there won't be a corner there at 25. Honestly, that's yeah. my that's the way I'm approaching this right now. I believe that there are enough of really good corners in this draft that there will be a corner, and I'm not sure who it's going to be. I think it's going to be Maryland's Deontay Banks. Okay, that's who I think it will be. But it may not be him. It may be another corner that they really, really like, who they're going to say, there's value at 25, let's grab him. The only other guy I could see who might, who might, because I don't think B. John Robinson's going to drop that far. I just don't. If they think that Schmitz, the Minnesota center, is worth a late first-round pick. Some people think he is. Other people think he's an early number two. But if they right. think that he has value at 25, I absolutely could see them taking him. And just to give well, you an well, idea, Wilson, real quick, I'm looking up the yeah. trade that Tennessee and the Jets pulled off so that the Jets could move up to get Jermaine Johnson. It was Tennessee trading a first and a third to the Jets in exchange for a second, a third, and a fifth. And then, coincidentally, the next pick, 27, was Jacksonville. 
making a move with Tampa Bay to get Devin Lloyd. That was a first-round pick that Tampa Bay shipped out to Jacksonville for a second, a fourth, and a sixth. So in each trade, there were three picks that were return value, which is not bad, and I wouldn't look down upon that. But once again, you have to weigh what you're passing up on at that point in the draft. If you don't love anybody and you want to move out of it, fine. But if there's somebody you really like, I would take the player under those circumstances. Final thought, Wilson. I believe the Giants are in a position where they will not have 10 draft choices from this year's draft make the team. Oh, no, no. The team's too good. Okay, the team is too good. Right. So I don't think getting more picks is necessarily the way they'd want to go. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess, like I said, it was just a thought there because you're like in the no-man's land. And uh, real quick, guys, on the first-round pick, if I may. Sure, real quick. Okay. Uh, If you're going to put the reputation of of yourself, your your livelihood, your job, and the job of others, right? Let's say Carolina, for example, and a quarterback that at best is 5'11 and weighs 190 pounds, and today's NFL, that linemen run like running backs, hey, you got to have big brass ones because uh, that is a move. That is a move. That is, that is a, 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 a career killer. You, you, I, mean, I don't care that he's, uh, he's uh, you know, uh, super intelligent and – and, uh, you know, he's got all the intangibles. Listen, I understand that, uh, that uh, you know, physical ability is not everything. If that was the case, Jeff George would be in the Hall of Fame because I saw Jeff George throw the football until this day. I haven't seen another quarterback throw the football like Jeff George. But there was nothing upstairs. So, obviously, intangibles matter. But, but let me tell you something, man. Uh, that, to, to put all that stock on a kid like that that's 190 pounds, you got to hey, – listen, I wouldn't do it. Well, I mean, thanks listen, we appreciate the phone call, Wilson, and thanks for giving us a ring here. You have to understand, Frank Reich, who's the head coach, is a former quarterback. So, you know, their intel there comes from a different perspective than perhaps if it was somebody who sure. didn't play the position. And he's referring to Bryce Young, of course, the quarterback, mm-hmm. Alabama. And you and I, Paul, have had these conversations. I remember I've brought this up since. You know, you were concerned about Devontae Smith, coincidentally, a former Alabama player. Now, I know he plays a different position, wide receiver, but, right, you were concerned about him holding up. And I know the jury's still out. His career's not over. But for the most part, he's done a really good job There's remaining no durable. His production so, has been there, and he's been durable. Yeah. Now, Let's see him get through the first rookie contract 100%. and yeah. see how things go after that. But, look, there's always going to be a number of people in the league that are going to shy away from the smaller measurements. That's just the nature of the beast. Then there'll be other guys who won't shy away from those measurements and say, okay, I need this, that, and the other thing, and those intangibles and the smaller measurements won't matter. And then there are going to be other guys still who say, you know what? I don't mind collecting a bunch of smaller guys because that's what I want to do. So it's it's you walk into Baskin Robbins. I know I just named a, a corporation. I know. You All right. Hey, you're going to have you to walk, take that up with Trump. You walk into an ice cream store, and if they have 32 flavors, you take the flavor you want. It doesn't mean you're right or wrong. It's what flavor suits your taste buds the best. I also personally don't think that Bryce Young is going to be a huge runner on the NFL level. Like, I don't see him taking off. If that was the case, if he was Lamar Jackson-esque, yeah, I'd be a little bit concerned. Not about the height, about the frame, which is what the last caller was referring to. I don't think if Carolina does take him, I don't think they're bringing him in and saying, Bryce, we want you to run 15 times a game. I just, I don't see that happening. So that's the other thing to take into consideration. Just be so happy that the Giants have their franchise quarterback. 
that you don't have to worry about this now for several years. Okay, that's the good news, Wilson, is because this quarterback draft class is nothing like what they said it was going to be. A year or so ago, a lot of people were billing this projection. Oh, the 23 class that comes out is going to be really good. Well, and it may. Who knows? It may turn out that way. I don't think it is. I'm sorry. I don't think it really is a great quarterback's class. So thank goodness you've already re-signed your franchise quarterback and you don't need to go looking for one. Well, here's the bottom line. Every year we go through this, they feel they're going to find the franchise quarterback. The rule of thumb is, in today's NFL, every class, maybe you're lucky if one guy turns out. It's just, I mean, that's the nature of the beast. You'd have to go back to Eli Manning's year. And I did this. I did this as an Mm -hmm. exercise on my serious show. The last time you had multiple quarterbacks, three. Good luck trying to find the year. Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. How many years in terms of the draft do you go back and you say you find that many guys? And those were teams that all went in, right, with the same philosophy. We're getting a high pick. We're going to find our guy. We're not going to have to ask ourselves what's going on at the quarterback position for years to come. Everybody else that has followed since had the same hope. Injuries, change of coaches, coordinators. It's become a revolving door. And, and it's becoming more likely as we get closer to the draft that the uh, draft Knicks are saying Hooker will sneak into the bottom of the first round and there'll be five quarterbacks taken in the first round this year. I'm sorry. There are not five first-round talent play, talented players at quarterback. They're not. Well, when you think of five, I think of the 2018 class. And you had four guys taken in the top ten. Right. Lamar, remember, went late in the first round. Correct. Well, Lamar and Josh Allen are the two guys that are still hanging around with their current team. Lamar remains to be seen, of course. He was just given the franchise tag. But you're going to tell me the Cardinals, the Jets, and the Browns didn't go into that draft thinking we found an answer? And less than five years later, they're back to square one. And Josh Allen was the only one who I liked going into the draft. No, of course. I and- thought there was one quarterback in that draft. All right, so I'm still not a Lamar Jackson guy, but he's done what he's done, so I give him credit. He certainly was a lot better than those other three busts who, in my mind, were always going to be busts from the very get-go. Well, unfortunately, injuries, the changing of coaches. Remember, Allen benefited from having Brian Dable there from start to until he came to the Giants, and you can't overlook that factor, but it just goes to show you to each their own, right? You could pick 32 teams. They're all going to find different criteria that they put a lot of stock in, and Somebody's going to like Bryce Young. He certainly has the intangibles. Mm-hmm. I just I don't think he's going to be a runner at the NFL level, so I wouldn't be overly concerned about him taking so many hits, at least in the early stages of his career. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. We check in with Len in Maryland, joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Len? What do you got for us? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing all right. Mm. Hey, hey, Paul, one of the great names you brought up today, Gary Reasons. You know, I, I always thought, Paul, when Gary Reasons was on the field, and he wasn't he wasn't there for every play, but when he was on the field, good things happened with the Giants. He was a football he just, player. He, he had all the intangibles. Was, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't always that Gary made the play, but somehow somebody, when Reasons was on the field, made a play. That's the one thing I remember. And about Len, I will repeat Gary this Reasons. one more time: in the draft room, the preponderance of the evidence was. He doesn't have all of the requisite physical still skills to be one of those kinds of players. But but the guy who fought for him and who insisted that they take him won out finally in the fifth round. And look what look what happened. He was just a football player. Excuse me, right? Yep. He was just a football player. 
and he he had he had a focus. Uh, I saw him one I saw him one time coming out of the tunnel in New Orleans. You know the famous Lawrence Taylor game over Thanksgiving. Yes. What was that eighty eight, Paulie? Um, and he was standing at the end of the tunnel by himself, looking out at the field. He was in uniform. It was before they came out. I'm hanging over the side. Paulie, he had a look on his face like, "Oh my gosh, I wouldn't want to be tackled by Gary Reasons tonight." I agree. The guy looked so focused. It was in, it was incredible. Hey, let me let me move on real quick to the draft. A couple of things. Hang on to your picks, Joe. Paulie, you may be right. Ten guys aren't going to make this roster, but that's okay. If we're drafted in the seventh round for the practice squad. So be it. We need young players. We need young players to make the team. Therefore, by all means, hang on to those first four or five picks. Hang on to those first four or five picks. You know, at 25, when we get to 25, there are going to be opening day starters at six, six positions at least sitting there for the Giants. Hang on to that 25th pick, man. There's going to be a player there. There's yeah, I don't think a that's a question. There. I mean, you could absolutely find somebody that can contribute immediately. If you're going to take a first-round pick on a player, yeah, that's not a stretch at all. I, I don't agree with six positions, but, but, but you know what, Len? Here's the bottom line. Yeah. If, if yeah. you are Joe Shane and you are now in year two, which has been accelerated, it's now year three, even though it's only the second year on the calendar – this is the third year of the rebuild in terms of the fact they skipped a year by making the playoffs already. Okay? You following me? Okay. At this point in time, if you can get a guy at 25 who you believe is at least a rotational starter and even a yeah. guy who could potentially be more than that, you have to take him and cannot trade back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think those guys are going <laughs> to – I think those guys are going to be there. Uh, now, I – and I assume uh, Joe and the staff are going to like them enough to make that pick. And I think there are I think there are opening day starters. There's going to be an opening day starter at pick 25. Let me let me let me give you a scenario here, and you you tell me you know how this is going to work out. Right, it's opening day. We're on defense. Uh, first time we're on the field, we go into our base defense three four. Who's the other defensive end in that three four defense today? Today. Opposite Williams. Today. Are you with me? Yeah. Are you with me? Oh. Who is it going to be today? Well, let's see. We, we don't know who they're playing opening day. If they're playing yeah. a pass-happy team opening day, it wouldn't surprise me yeah. if they only go with two down linemen. Okay. And go with five okay. linebackers. You know, go okay. with a 2-5 set. Okay. Or, or even, I, even, 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 even a a two down, four or five man front with with has with has an extra defensive back. See, that's the problem here, Len. The game, the game has forced these multiple style defenses, and I like to call it the kaleidoscope defense that what Wink yeah. Martindale uses. It forces you into using those in more matchup scenarios than saying, right. "Okay, this is what we do." No, you you yeah. you're matching up. So I don't know who the third down lineman is. There may not even be a third down lineman in that first game. Yeah, okay. Okay. See, I thought you were going to tell me Jahad Ward yeah, well, I mean, or, 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 or Nachos, either one of the two. And I wasn't going to argue with it because that, that's the way I think right now. That's, that's the way it, the it could is. be. It could be. But it, yeah. it, it also just as well. And we saw some of this last year 
where, you know, he had two guys down and had three linebackers standing up yeah. in what was a five-man yeah. front. Yeah, yeah. We've seen that. Yeah. Let me let me talk about a couple of guys, guys, yeah. if, if I may. And now that I said that, I forget their names. But I'll, I'll quickly remember them as I go into this. Um, you know, that, that defensive end, to me, you know, Paul, where, where's Curtis McGriff? Where is Lennon Dorsey? That's a run-stopping position for the Giants as we stand at this point. Right. It, it may not even be a three-down player. It's a two-down player. Right. And and then we and hopefully it's third and seven, and we go into our pass rush format. You know, whatever. Um, there's a kid at Wisconsin. I've got my eye on. I think it's Becton, Keanu Becton. Yeah, Ke- Keanu Becton. Five, yeah. Yeah. I th- I think he's a five technique, three four, defensive end. Yeah, he could play inside run outside. Stopper. Yeah, yeah. Um, run stopper first. Maybe he's only a two down player, but I think he can help us. And there's, and there's another kid I, that can't call, pull back his name from from Florida who fits the same mold. Weighs about three hundred pounds. You know, six four, six five, three hundred pounds. He's not going to get ten sacks. Well, boy, on those first two downs, he's going to help you in a run defense. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. I yeah, appreciate it. You got it, Len. Appreciate Let's the phone call. Absolutely. I mean, I think between Nacho and DJ Davidson, you know, you have two other guys that could play on the interior right now that you can mix and match to supplant Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. If that was at least what he was getting at, it seemed like that was my interpretation. He was concerned, you know, there may not be somebody currently on the roster. I, I do think they have two guys, one veteran and one young guy. There may be some question marks connected right. to the two of them, but you do have the ability. And remember, I'll say this about anyone who a future caller calls up about in terms of who's on the field for the first possession of the first game. It's about snap count. It's not about whether or not they start a game. That's irrelevant. It's about how they're utilized based on situational football. And a lot of these guys, like Davidson, barely played last season. So we don't have a lot to operate. And Nacho wasn't even here. So we also don't have much to operate in terms of how he's viewed by Wink. We could talk about how he was utilized in Tampa Bay. We just don't have enough intel within the Giants. It's only Dex and Leonard Williams. That's it. Giad Ward was the most commonly used edge setter last yep. year. And he did a nice job stopping and, the run. And he did yeah. okay with that. Now, again, because of the scheme and the multiple substitutions and the sub packages, will that be his role again this year? Probably, because that's what he does best. But is he going to be doing that all the time? You know, no. They may have other packages. I mean, you know, the other two the other two linemen on the on the roster right now, and I and I can appreciate why you would not say Vernon Butler, because he's a three hundred and thirty pound piece of meat. He's just a huge man. I, I, I don't mean to disrespect you by saying that, but he's just a huge dude. He's more of a nose tackle than he is anything else. Yep. But Ryder Anderson's on this team, and I know that they liked him in spot duty last year. They liked him a lot. I mean, again, he's under two eighty. He's a little bit more slim, but you know, is there is there room for him to have more snaps this season? Maybe there is. One hundred percent. So there's youth there because the whole question was youth bringing in more young guys. Well, DJ Davidson coming off an injury, Ryder Anderson, an undrafted player last year, and you have Nacho. So you have two young guys and a veteran, and I'm sure they're going to look to probably bring somebody else in, perhaps either as an undrafted free agent or through the draft. But it's all about you know how Wink envisions utilizing the linebackers and a guy like Jihad Ward who has the versatility to contribute as both a run stopper 
and a pass rusher. That is going to wrap up Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. A reminder that today's episode is part of the Giants platforms everywhere as well as Giants.com slash podcast. We'll be up and running again Tuesday for a new edition of BBKL as we continue to preview the upcoming draft. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll speak to you tomorrow right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one.